episode of the cigar social podcast is brought to you by black star line cigars from the highly rated warwich to the outstanding lalibella and classic el milagro these cigars are absolutely incredible and use the absolute best tobacco from agonorsa leaf which is farmed and expertly handcrafted in esteli nicaragua visit them at blackstarline.shop and use promo code cigarsocial15 for 15% off your entire order and receive free shipping on all orders over 100 bucks. Black Star Line Cigars. Cigars are a daily operation. Welcome to the Cigar Social Podcast. I am your host. My name is Matt. Thank you for joining. I hope you had a good drink and a cigar lit. This episode is going to be epic. To show my dedication to my listeners and to get this special guest on my show, as he requested, I had to stick my right elbow into a bowl of mashed potatoes. That is correct. And send him the photo, snail mail. Not like a, like, here's a text message with a photo, but like, here's a postage stamp with a photo inside of me with my elbow and a bowl of my fucking mashed potatoes. Yes. Yes. Okay. All right. Yes. <laughs> Folks, yes. it's fucking boofy, baby. Friends, say hello to the creative deck direct director of Room 101 Cigars, Matt Booth. Thanks for joining, Matt. Can you see me now? Was I off? Before? Am I on now? I'm not aware of how your technology like, is structured am i here like now you're blurry but you you're not me. you're here i see you, you thank see you for me. having me i'm very pleased to be here no no the thanks is all mine you know what's um, amazing about your little indoctrination exercise uh, for the show is that you know my office manager opens all the mail and then if I'm traveling, mm. she'll send me a text message of any pertinent, you know, things that need to get done, you know, any, any sort of important communication. And I get this right. text message from, you know, this very refined uh, lady, you know, of your <laughs> photography, which I further enjoyed because, I mean, at this point, she knows. She's like, oh, my God, I don't even understand how we're still in business yet doing well because this is like yeah you know this is obscene what he does but she you know they all everybody gets a nice laugh out of it you know so it was nice is, is she pics. used to your shenanigans like oh yeah. like i'm not the first one i'm assuming uh, you're, the elbow you're... and the potatoes that was i try to have a unique experience with people you see so no one had ever done that uh exact i mean okay that, i mean they've done many things you understand but not that, if you catch my drift. No, no, that's fine. I'll take – it was funny. We are actually uh, talking on the phone during a herf 
Eric mm. Bay gave me his phone and you were mm. like, Hey, where's my photo? And I was like, Oh, I, I, I thought Eric Bay was pulling my fucking chain. Like I, I didn't think, okay, sure. Yeah, I had made a request. I got home. Yeah. 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 I got home that day because like we didn't talk like, Eric Bay from Black Star Line was like our middleman. Yes. And so I got home after that herf and I told my wife and I'm like, hey, listen, Booth won't interview or even talk to me until I put my right elbow in some mashed potatoes. Mm. And she was yeah. like, she turned around and she had a like a pot of mashed potatoes. She was like, well, you better wash your elbow because this is about I'm about to make a shepherd's pie. There we go. And I'm like, all right, cool. Go. So I washed my elbow and I stuck it in there and I took a picture and that's that's how that happened. And here we are. <laughs> and here, we, here are. we are. Yeah. And here we are. It's nice, right? You want a little show. I want it's a little a... show. We get what we want. It's nice. It's a healthy <laughs> exchange of value. Do you hang your do you have a collection of these photos of random people doing some random shit in your I house? It's like, is it a have a dossier of sorts? <laughs> Look, man, I've been doing this shit a long time. I got to fucking entertain myself somehow. Okay. It's, it's that simple. Absolutely. And, and just, but it's all in good faith. Like there's nothing that's maniacal. Well, it's a maniacal light, like a soda, but, it's, uh, you know, it's, right. it's all in good humor, right? It's, it's nice. It's fun. And we're all, uh, you know, part of this island of misfit toys here, the, you know, the cigar industry, the cigar community. So I feel like my people get it. And I'm sure there are people that don't get it. Right. But then again, there's some people that get out of the shower to pee too. The fuck do I know? I get it. I, I, uh... Hundred percent get it. All right. Well, before we get to learn about Boofy and Room One Hundred One, let's talk about today's bottle and stick. Uh, today's bottle. Let's start there. Matt, are, are you sipping anything over there? Or are you just smoking some? I'm just smoking. Got it. Okay, that's fine. Uh, was I supposed to? Sip? I have was I supposed to ingest liquid? You could if you want. Maybe it's up to you. I don't know who drinks, who doesn't drink, what time it is when we're, you're in California and I'm in dark wet Midwest right now. I drink, but I shouldn't. It. It's whatever. Yes, as most people feel. I have the Four Roses uh, small batch. Mm. So mm. this is a bottle that I've never tried before. I'm trying it for the first time right now. It's a combination of four of the Four Roses 10 bourbon recipes that they have aged somewhere between six and seven years, 90 proof, uh, smooth, definitely very smooth. Um flavor profile is good for beginners it's a it's a good starter sip uh i'm getting like rich fruit oak caramel 
which is like a, a, a solid bourbon flavor. Oak, caramel, a little bit of fruit. Uh, MSRP, affordable, about 30 bucks. Can't beat it. Matt, what are you smoking over there? Awkward that you're not drinking Room 101 gin. I wasn't going to say anything, but I couldn't help myself. Can I raise my hand and say I fucking tried to get Room 101 in Illinois? You know, but for Yoda some said, reason, there's there is no th- try. There's only do. Yoda said, <laughs> do try is or why do you not. Fit. There is no try. Do is do not. Right. <laughs> Actually, I, mean, I, I will I mean, tell you, candidly, I have a bottle of room 101 uh, waiting for me at Eric mm-hmm. Bay's house. Apparently, you have recently sent him a couple bottles. One of those have I my name on shit. it. I just have not been. I don't send you. Uh, somebody. Some, somebody. Sometimes some, the gin Something fairies. happened. Blesses people with liquid. Right. Right. No. Ever. Absolutely. There was no. There. There was no distribution to the state of Illinois. It was a friend who knew a friend who may have known a friend. Regardless, I tried. Couldn't do it. Have many friends. I tried to get to the south. Whatever. I don't fucking have. I have one friend, and he's sitting over here drawing comic books. I thought you were going to say drawing dicks. That's what anyway. I'd be doing if I was sitting with you. Well, I mean, it's, I didn't say what type of comic books. I said like the he's kind drawing that comic you find books in Seven Eleven in Japan. Those ones, you know the ones. I don't know those ones. Mm, Can you I do. go on? Yeah. No. Wow. You got to get your right, passport. Get on over there. Go to Seven Eleven. Buy you a nice go out. reset T-shirt and set of undies. <laughs> <laughs> little face mask and uh you know some sort of intergalactic uh, octopus space rape comic okay yeah i didn't know that snacks. well but i have a passport and i feel like i may have to take the trip just for that oh you will see just for that um i am smoking <laughs> The Room 101 10th Anniversary Toro 6x52. Yeah. This is a limited edition created by uh, Mr. Matt Booth himself in 2019 to celebrate the 10th anniversary of Room 101. Mm. This is a reddish Nicaraguan wrapper, Mm -hmm. uh, tobaccos from an undisclosed origin. The cigar was made in Esteli, Nicaragua, at the Tabacalera, AJ AJ Fernandez, uh, Tabacalera. Uh, It was sold in 500. Fernandez. Yes. Fernandez? Yes. AJ's my favorite. AJ he likes Fernandez. He's great. Hey, son. What's up, AJ? He's okay. He is the man. <laughs> he will terraform the fucking earth to make this farm. I Listen, I've had a lot of AJ stuff. Um, 
with Romeo, with all these different companies. But this, this is, is more phenomenal, erotic. by the way. Yeah, this is erotic. Yes, yeah. I'm. I'm almost turned on. Fuck you mean almost? The fuck is that? Like, like, like this a this interview, is like over. a, like a. <laughs> okay, just kidding. No, like I, I, I feel it. I feel it. I'm just, uh, you know, I've been drinking a lot. Anyway, um, mm. the Toro mm. sized. Uh, this is sold in 520 count boxes. The blend details have been kept kind of confidential from what I can find. However, uh, you, you know, the cigar has a Rosado wrapper mm -hmm. and it is a, what, full bodied, full flavor, uh, cigar. I'd, I'd say medium. Matt, do you have anything to add? Is it a medium? Medium okay. plus. Do you I mean, have anything really, uh, to add to the to the blend details? Like what? It is. It is. Honestly, I I, I try I try to tell that to everybody. Um, so like when we talk about people looking at cigar snob, half wheel, all of these outlets, they start to talk about you know what they're experiencing and. Honestly, that's not what you're going to experience. It may be, but the cigar shipment, the cigar, the way it was kept, the, the way it was smoked, cigars are so unique that I almost don't want to tell you or tell our listeners that it was a 90 rated or it was this and it's so fantastic because one man's trash might be another man's treasure. And this thing, though, is, in my opinion, so far, eh, half an inch and fucking phenomenal so far. Um, it, 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 there's no cigar ratings means nothing. It, there is no... There's no ground to stand on, right? Because like the way I store a cigar and the way I smoke a cigar is completely di different from what you do, right? So potentially ish, right? Like could be ish, maybe. I think I think also. the ratings are a good kind of starting point. Like they can give people it's a some it's a and some info on what might be going on with that product, you know. But it's, it's for insight. you to discover on your own. Yeah, it's insight. Right. Right. There you go. But but for here's here's my spiel. I'm gonna argue for a little bit. Around here we have a store called Benny's, which is like yeah. a 47 location store. Yeah. And they have a humidor. Mm -hmm. And they have this like rating. And so when the, you know, cigar aficionado rating comes out, they start putting those like number one, number two, number three next to the boxes that mm -hmm. made the whatever. Mm -hmm. And and it's, it's a sales pitch. You know what I mean? Like, People are going to eat that shit up. Yeah, okay. Padron, 1926, one cigar of the year last year. Whatever. Did I lose you? Two hours later. I want to make sure that I... So, 
your phone overheated. That's correct. You put it in your fridge. I That's see correct. the door to your fridge. Yes. And we're now we're talking from inside your fridge. That's correct. Well, my phone is in the fridge. I'm kind of like half into the fridge. Right. Okay, cool. And that's cool. Um, I don't know how long this will be sustainable. Uh, do you have anything in your fridge that would be bad with uh, the next 45 minutes of your fridge being open? This is just a drink fridge. Okay. Fair enough. Um, so we're going to do the interview through your fridge. I mean, this, this part. Got it. Okay. Eh, regardless. Okay. Um, forgot where I was, but I don't really care. Ratings are subjective. This room 101. You like the sink. Yes. You like the sink. Like uh, yes. This gar. You got no place to put 10th anniversary, room 101, 10th anniversary. Goes for about an MSRP, about 10 bucks. Mm. Um, Matt is going to do something, but I'm going to ask him a question when he comes back. What is that? What? Put ashes in it. I got an emperor. Oh. That looks like a like a pumpkin thing that would take for like trick or treating and shit. It is. Yes. All right. Cool. Good. We're on the same page. Do you have anything to add uh, as far as blend details or anything about the tenth anniversary? And I'm gonna do a, a close up here so folks can see it. Comprised of tobaccos sourced from AJ's farms. Delicious. And it was the first, a new beginning for us. Every year we launch an anniversary series to kind of celebrate another year of ruining our lives in this business. But that was the first. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. Hey, all right. Let's get to the Q&A before. That's a good question. Um, We're going to find out. Then is it still hot. The phone is fucking hot. Bro. Our crazy. next location will be the microwave. I have no idea. So let's start with room 101 jewelry. Cool. Take me back to that serendipitous Fuck. moment mm. of when you found that jewelry display at Van Dutch store and the connections and the introductions followed and which ultimately ignited the Room 101 jewelry and brand. Oh, look at you. Somebody's been paying attention. Amazing. So I used to live More on Melrose in East Hollywood when I got out of the Marines, right? That's where I first planted myself. And I used to creep on down yes. to the little shopping area and explore and daydream. And uh, I found myself in the in the Von Dutch. Was that at, uh, was that at 56 and 56? 14 and one quarter. That was 56, 14 and one quarter. Yeah. 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 Okay, cool. Now Just... you're a fucking creep. See, before you were paying attention, <laughs> now you're a fucking freak. But check this out. Wait, you running my fucking credit? What are you doing? <laughs> I don't want to buy a boat from you. Okay. No, 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 no. I'm not selling anything. 
So I lived in a an apartment that, well, it, it was rented to me as an apartment, but I believe it was like a, a storage closet that they had put a bathroom inside, something of that nature. And that was my first crib uh, when I got back to the world there. And the Von Dutch store was aspirational for me. I'd visit that shop. Now, this is before, you have to remember, this is before that brand was in department stores. This was when it was in its purest state. Okay. This was probably like, I don't know, 01, 2000, 2001, something like that. And uh, I used to creep on their their jewelry display case because I was infatuated and, and very taken by all this handmade sterling silver that was in this case and come to find out it's made in Los Angeles, even more intriguing. And time after time I would visit and finally the kid that one of the kids that worked in the shop said, Hey man, I'll introduce you to the guy that makes some of this if you're interested. And I said, of course, man, I'd love to. So before I knew it, one thing leads to another, one introduction leads to another. And I'm sitting behind a bench downtown in a factory in a production studio that I would ultimately become a partner in at 7th and Broadway, still there to this day. Your photo of your elbow in, in mashed potatoes is there on the floor in another suite. Oh, yeah. Yes. Oh, yeah. And uh, and this was really the genesis for, for the Room 101 brand. I wanted to create a brand that was very like, not unlike, and very much like Alfred Dunhill of the 1950s and 60s, but with yeah. my own stylization, my own direction, my own design direction, and, and you know, a, a bit of Los Angeles flavor, you know? And so this is what I set out to do. And initially creating the spine of our collection with this handmade jewelry, ultimately to expand into other categories, having no idea how I was going to do any of this. 2009 saw the launch of Room 101 Cigars. The brand mm -hmm. ported into a completely uh, new category uh, for us, right? Uh, but translated well. And we just so happened to be sticking our pinky finger into the bung of this business around the time that the era of boutique brands was beginning, right? Could you put, can you put like star effect? An oh, I will. Of boutique brands was beginning. It was a foot. Now, I'm not saying that there hadn't been, you know, alternatively stylized brands prior to this era. All I'm saying is that when Pete Johnson dropped Tatuaje and, and Jonathan Drew dropped Drew Estate, these brands are still active today, consistently since then, right? Some people had come into the game and the, burned very brightly, shined like the brilliant diamond that they were and, and, and had faded away already, right? So, but this was different. This time it was going to stick. And I was, at the time, I thought maybe, hey, I'm a little late to the party. I see Pete Johnson. I see Dion is firing on all cylinders here. Their brands are thriving. Yeah. You know, three, four years down the road, I look back and I said, hey, man, I'm no longer the youngest guy in the business. And look at this tobacco trail of tears behind me, right? And in one blink of an eye, I went from being the youngest to to being uh, one of the originals in that space. I mean, if I may be so brazen to make that statement, I believe that to be true at this point. Yeah. I mean, what the fuck do I know? But that's kind of, I think, how that took form. And it was such an exciting time. I think it was, it's one of, there are several things I'm very grateful for uh, this business. 
um, that I've, that I've drawn from this business and this business has, has brought into my life, you know, um, the people, the community, the culture, but at the time it was such an amazingly vibrant period of time to be active in this space, especially in that, in that new, uh, niche that was not yet fully realized, which was what was to become the craft segment of an entire industry. Yeah. It was the beginning. So that was the beginning of craft beer in this business, the beginning of it. in it's just like in 2001, the visit to the Von Dutch up when the brand was in its purest state, right? This was the craft product movement in this industry in a very pure state. I think I might say, I mean, I was there. So, you know, uh, I'm grateful for having been active in the business at that time. I think it's one of the, you know, one of the, uh, one of the things that's kept us going this far. I would agree that your stuff is outstanding compared to, so a lot of boutique the shit's companies. shit's nice, right? Phenomenal. It's, it's not bad. I, I would like to it's, say it's, it's not right. bad. I've always said our bands make the cigars taste better, you know? <laughs> it, it, there is a, uh, you know, there's a false truth behind that, right? Like, cause you could do a blind tasting with no bands and people are going to think otherwise. We had a blind tasting here a couple weeks ago, maybe a couple months ago. Somebody had a Padron 26. I think. And the entire time he was like, eh, it's all right. Not knowing what the fuck he was smoking, but he's like, eh, it's all right. It's, 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 I, I wouldn't buy it. How could you not know a Padron 26? It's so was off. It Just is. The, the way he, uh... the, the, the striations <laughs> in the wrapper as it, as it courses around the vessel of filler yeah. and binder, which is another wrapper. So erotic. It's, there's no like, mistake. you put it? Yeah. There's no, look, man, I like Padron. I smoke it frequently. No, I know you like Padron 64 though. Yeah. Principe, natural wrapper, fucking right. You know, right. But I'll yeah. smoke the 26. I'm not yeah. stuck up. I like that shit too. <laughs> All right. So you talked about your your jewelry. You talked about how you kind of got into the cigar industry. Your gin. Yeah. Unfortunately, man. I couldn't get your gin. We talked about that a little bit. My weird buddy Eric Bay. You. Our, you didn't get it. It's our, weird. Yeah. Our buddy Strange. Eric Bay. It's, yeah. Yeah. He's like, you know, he's over there. It's so he's not there. He's but over we're there. right now. He's doing a uh, cigar dojo Friday night smoke night live interview right now so he so couldn't give it he, for him good for him yeah. he's not on cigar social podcast so whatever um he told me i can pick it up from his house i'm like oh dude i just want you to come here and hang out but he just was too busy for that shit Frank can you tell him. us more <laughs> can you tell us more about that gin how yeah, it's man. distilled that product yeah. all that so cool. A spirit, a craft spirit was on my to-do list to create this mm -hmm. comprehensive lifestyle collection. And 
easily five to six years before we actually realized Room 101 Gin, which was in the fall of 2017, I knew that it needed to be gin. I believed wholeheartedly that gin was going to have its day in the sun of boutiqueification of that category, right? I saw, mm-hmm. I saw uh, tremendous potential uh, with gin. You know, gin is very interesting because, you know, a lot of people have the, you know, the plastic handle from Costco experience in their teens and, and swear gin off forever because, you know, it's very, very juniper forward. It's like, uh, you know, as, as Christmas the distiller tree. that, well, you know, as the distiller that I ended up building the formula with so eloquently stated, he said, Matt, you don't like the juniper. And I said, no, I want to create this thing that's very citric and, 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 and fruity and, and I, I understand that juniper has to be in there for it to be gin. So let's make it a whisper off in the distance. And he said, yeah, yeah. And that's because nobody likes being face fucked by pine cones. And at that moment, I knew I was like, you're my guy. You're the guy. We're going to build this right now. And so I sat down with Travis from Big Bottom Distillers in, in uh, Hillsboro, Oregon at the time. And unbeknownst to me, I was about to put my cigar factory mouth to work to build this formula with him. And, you know, I didn't speak his direct language as a distiller, but I could comment. I could say, hey, why is this note hollow here? Why is this absent here? Why is this overly present here? What, what are you doing to make these changes? And he would explain to me about elevating proof, changing the, you know, changing some of the botanicals, et cetera, et cetera. And so we yeah. built this formula to be juniper minimal, citrus forward, highly erotic, and very, very favorable to a cigar smoking experience as in terms mm. of a pairing partner. Now, you know, what the brown liquid ingester seeks in his or her pairing to the smoke, fire, right? Now they, they get a lot of wood off that, right? And some, yep. other, some of these other elements. Now, some of these are not present in our gin because it's a clear liquid, but with elevated proof and uh, elevated amounts of, of fresh citrus, there's a lot of fire with a clean finish. So it doesn't tamper with the smoking, but it gives you fire on the palate, gives you fire down your little throat pipe there. And you lay a, you, you place a little layer, a little smoke blankie over your palate after that. I think you might find it to be very favorable. I think, you know what? I, I'm not a gin person. You'd probably be a room um, one gin person though. I think you might be right. I, I mean, uh, what do I know? Yeah, a little bit. I think that, uh, once I get my hands on that, I have to take a drive to the south side or have Eric Bay come and do another shindig here. But I'm looking forward to trying it. Um, there's only one or two gins that I've actually enjoyed mm. out of, and I've tried. I, I try because I want to explore outside the whiskey bourbon realm uh aviation is okay um castling key makes a pretty good gin uh it's it's a little fennel forward for me um but yeah i i can't wait to try yours 
Cool. Uh, Room 101. For the folks who don't know, the name Room 101, mm. does that derive from George Orwell's 1984? Yes. Okay. Partially. Partially. In part. But, you know, this is, uh, for those that know this story, it's, you know, the this story is about the man trying to stamp out individuality, trying to eradicate uh, free will, creative independence, all of these things that I'm very much a champion for and things that I've built my career on, right? So uh, I wanted to name the brand Room 101. It's kind of a, a nod to that concept that, uh, you know, that we were creative revolutionaries. I mean, if that's even, maybe that's a bit much, but you get what I'm saying. There's revolution and disruption, right? There's, there's like, uh, there's freedom in creating products that resonate, but yet disrupt simultaneously. And it's, a, there's a very fine balance, you know? Um, but I think we've always walked that line organically with what we do. A lot of that has to do with the way that I, that I produce products and, and then present them. Not going to take all the credit. You know, the product has to, you know, cash the check that your ass is writing with it or however you say that. Right. And yeah. it does. I mean, I'd like to think recently as of last year, mm. you sold the brand to STG. So I sold the let me to STG. Let me congratulate you on that one. Thank you. Um, that's uh, huge. But what ultimately led you to let go of the brand that you built for like 20 years? And mm -hmm. and what involvement and influence do you still have with Room 101 Cigars? Well, man, I didn't really let go of it. You know, part of our arrangement that I was going to remain and remain in creative control. Okay. To make sure that the brand grows and evolves responsibly and in a healthy fashion over the next several years and into perpetuity, into, into the most beautiful atomic sunset you would ever imagine. Nuclear sunset? Answer. Nuclear sunset. Sure. Like, basically, it's going to live into perpetuity until we fucking nuke ourselves out of existence. With that accusation, uh, with that acquisition. Cuban links. <laughs> with that acquisition, mm -hmm. how did you celebrate the sale of your brand? I went to Old Spaghetti Factory. I used to work there as a dishwasher as a kid, right? And uh, I always loved the mazithra plate. And so this is, you could imagine, you know, uh, a process like this takes many times over a year or longer. It's highly stressful. Um, and, you know, in the 11th and a half hour, you're sliding, everyone is sliding communication and documents back and forth. And we need this and you need that. And if we don't get these 17 things that we decided weren't important a week ago, if we don't have them today, we can't do it and da, 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 and all that. So sign the document, call the family. Don't tell them. My wife knew, right? So I was pacing a, a, a hole in our the floor of our home for, you know, six months prior to that. 
<laughs> call up the elders of the family. I wrangle them. I take them down to the fucking old spaghetti factory and I sit there and I eat my mazithra plate and I look around at them bickering at each other. You know, the, the madness of, of elders in your family, you know, and just and just absorbing the moment for myself and my wife when I sat there and and just soaked it all in. And then five in the morning, the next morning, I was on a flight to the jewelry industry trade show in Las Vegas. <laughs> That's awesome. Where is that? spaghetti factory located that one's in downtown spokane okay washington mm -hmm. state mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah um, i had to put my phone in the fridge because it overheated i'm on the interview thing here yeah, yeah. he's oh, on an interview can yeah. you leave him alone she's huh. like what are you talking to the fridge again I'm like yeah. no no it's again? actually look at the phone it's there he's yeah he's there. no hi um, God, judgy much. <laughs> um, she's used to it. I talk to more than fridges, <laughs> you know what I mean? So completely off topic, kind mm. of in topic. Mm. Is there any significant the, of the Japanese style art that you use? Mm. Mm. Um, is that come yeah, from man. your military years that you served in Asia? Yeah, man, I I, uh, I was really taken by a lot of the powerful um, sculptural artwork that I found in, in Japan and Asia in general. Yeah. And uh, it left an impression on me. And, you know, at the time, I didn't know that I was going to create a, a lifestyle brand, you know. And so when we started making sculptural art, I thought, you know, you know, because the heavy silver stuff, especially at that time in the early 2000s, was very much still, although we were doing something a little bit more elevated, it was still like uh, high-end uh, biker type shit, right? So there was a lot of skulls with lightning bolts and iron crosses and all this shit, which is cool, right? But I wanted yeah. to do something a little different. I wanted to import some of this uh, Japanese-influenced design flavor and create my versions of, you know, no theater characters and, and protective deities and things of this nature. And I wanted that to be, you know, originally how I was going to make my mark on the more character driven side of our design portfolio. And I did. And at the time, no one had really done that. I mean, now I think that that's been done a bit, you know, but at the time, yeah. no one had done that. Yeah. Do you have an artist who does your art or is that you? I have an artist that does our two-dimensional art, and I do our three-dimensional sculptural work. Okay. Mm -hmm. Wow. But I have him draw a lot of things based on my sculpture, and then I sculpt based on his drawing. So we share uh, back and forth a lot. It's a partnership. It's a handshake. It's a, it's a, a fucking psychotic episode is what it is. <laughs> <laughs> um all right can you tell our listeners what no. exactly is i refuse i refuse this question i i don't even know what it is i didn't like the way how you start what's the next one i don't like that one i it, didn't like I didn't hypothetically like the, okay maybe okay, if, i like that i like this if you would mm. tell our listeners mm. what the, the room 101 shadow army is and 
Can you hint on who is Shadow One? Second question answered first. Fuck no, I can't. Got it. First question. <laughs> the Shadow Army is a collective of like-minded freaks. Our people, yes. our closest to bloodline that we could possibly connect to as a brand family that have all found us because of this beacon, this freaking beacon, the freaking beacon. Oh my God, look at that. The freaking beacon. The freaking beacon that goes out into the ethers and draws back all of my beautiful weirdos, man. And, and people that really, really get what it is that we're doing or are, you know, interested on a, on some cursory level uh, in terms of what we're doing, our products and want to become more further immersed and indoctrinated into the Room 101 brand way. That is what the Shadow Army is. I am a member of the Shadow Army. And uh, so, yeah, I'm, I'm part of the freaking beacon. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, the, 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 some folks might not know about it. So I'm, I'm happy to maybe spread yeah, that love a little bit. Um, a couple episodes ago, Mm -hmm. I had John Huber from Crown Heads on yeah. the show. I like John Huber. Yeah. One of the first guys I met in the business. He told me a story about how you guys met. Mm -hmm. He said that he was inquiring about some jewelry and, and when you were in the jewelry business. And uh, before you were even in the cigar yeah. world. I met him before I was in the cigar game. Yeah. Mm -hmm. At the time, he, he actually offered to send cigars to you, but you said at that point you didn't smoke, so you asked those cigars to be shipped to your Uncle Leroy mm -hmm. in Washington State. I knowing that, that you much. had your first cigar, hmm? yeah, knowing that you had your first cigar around 16 with your Uncle Lee, I believe it was a white owl. That it was a um, In homage to Uncle Lee, also, in 2014, you released a Room 101 Uncle Lee. That is correct. Was your Uncle Leroy an influential uh, in, in pursuing the cigar industry? No. No, but what he did was he infected me from a very early age with the idea that cigar smoking was far more than chiefing down a rod of dead plant material. It was a conduit to connectivity on another level that is I think typically absent uh, in conversation and in time shared with other people. And I didn't care anything for the cigar at the time. I cared for the moment that I was sharing with my uncle that no one else in the family could share with him. Right. A caliber of moment, sir. No, I can't agree more. Like that is just something that you can't replicate something mm -hmm. that you can't ex even at times explain. Mm -hmm. So I appreciate that. Um, fun question. Mm -hmm. In a previous interview, you re mm -hmm. you referenced the chinchilla as being the Pontiac Aztec of the animal kingdom. I hate the chinchilla. You know, I don't hate much. Strong hatred I don't have, with that I don't animal. Have a, I don't have a lot of space for hate in my life. I don't believe in it. I think it's a, a it's dead weight, but when warranted, a very powerful force. I mean, look at Darth Vader. Look at what he did with hate. Fucking amazing. 
It's like the fucking hate Olympics. So the chinchilla is a wretched creature. Okay. It is a deceiver. And there are several deceivers in the animal kingdom that I would like to point out right now. Not as wretched as yes. the chinchilla, but in uh, close, right? Uh, bunny rabbits, a horrid decept- deceiver, a deceptive creature, and, and most fucking birds. Like, they all look so luscious and juicy, and like, if you were to pet them, it would be as pleasant to your hand as they are to your eye. But when you touch them, they're a wad of fucking vile bones and fucking... You can skin with long hair on it. It doesn't even become fur. Like I could rub my ball. I could rub your balls and receive more pleasure than rubbing a chinchilla. You understand? And I don't want to rub your balls. But I mean, um, if we're going to do it, I don't know how how I feel about that. No, it's great. Um, How much? (laughs) You think about that, you do. Yeah, I'll slide in your DMs when I feel about. The comparison between chinchillas and rubbing my balls. I'll get you. Fuck the chinchillas. Um, fuck the chinchillas. Fuck the what chinchillas. I'm, hashtag fuck, fuck the chinchillas. chinchillas. Fuck them. That's yeah. Fuck them. Folks, Filth. if you're listening, hashtag fuck chinchillas. Watch that pop up now. Yeah, we have. Maybe. Yeah. <sighs> Shame on you, Matt Booth is a way better hashtag, by the way. That was no, no, no. from I feel it. like fuck chinchillas is great. You think that's better? Yeah. You think it's better? Yeah, no, totally. It's a superior totally. hash uh, hashing. I may or may not Hash-ing. be on your side. I think you are. <laughs> kind of. A little we bit. Can pl- sure. We can play coy, though. It's cool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just love how you used Pontiac Aztec as your reference. Like it's, disgu- it's a disgusting the, vehicle. The garbage vehicle. <laughs> I th- it's disgusting. <laughs> I've seen them dressed with like faux wood panels from like a a a, a fucking you know ninety two Dodge Caravan. You understand what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah, the like, Woodies. Just to add insult to an already injured vehicle aesthetic, you know. Like, who came up with that, man? They said that took a lot of energy, effort, and, and, and selling up like this. Someone sold that into an organization and said, guys, this, this abortion, of this is going to be, this is going to be, oh, we need to put this in production. Yeah. Yeah. It, you, somebody, somebody thought it was a great idea. Yeah. There are people sleeping in them today, I'm sure. So, I mean, I, they were right. You can camp in them. Oh, man. You know? Well, Matt, uh, shifting gears, thank you for your service. Uh, oh, thanks, man. For those who don't know, Matt is a veteran of the U.S. Marines. He enlisted in 95. He was acting in 96. He served four years in the infantry. Hey, Matt, can you tell our folks what the MOS, what your MOS was? Uh, 0331, which is machine gunner. Machine gunner. And this is the information you have. It's like it's very heartwarming and terrifying simultaneously. You're welcome. Nice. I like you, man. Um, I'm going to keep you around. I like you too. I, I hope so. 
You were I mean, trained. Not, not in person, though. Yeah, no, no. That'd be weird. Yeah. Mm. Mm. You were trained in machine guns at the SOI, and rumor is that you you weren't such of a troublemaker as folks think you were. But you did get in trouble one no, time was. for maybe breaking your rifle down too much to clean it. I did. did that was actually in boot camp because I had built several AR-15s when I was in high school, right? I mean, down to down to the detent pins, you know, yeah. that would hold the mag, everything fully stripped, right? Like armor level assembly. And, you know, when you get in there, they, they teach you ways that are field expedient where you're not fumbling your fucking delicate parts around. You know, you don't want to uh, disassemble the bolt carrier group. And that's actually what I got in trouble for doing. I took the bolt out of the bolt carrier because you can't fucking yeah. clean it, right? If you don't, but I, you know, you're not supposed to. So you step out of line and the nail that stands up will be pounded flush, you know? Did you get, did you get in trouble for, for breaking it down too much? I did. Just once. I didn't do it again. I mean, visibly. Got it. So, funny story I like to share. While training, I believe Sergeant Palm once yelled at you for during a pull-up exercise specifically about starting at the east coast yes 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 and and finding somebody you cared about can you tell the listeners that motivational method in the moment now sergeant palm was a gangster because he was a sergeant in a world of staff sergeants and gunnery sergeants and the reason why is because he had lost rank at some point which only the real g's lose rank that's just how that works and now he was in a a not only a leadership position, but a position because he was the, the platoon sergeant. So he was above the staff sergeants and gunnery, the other enlisted gentlemen that were running the, the platoon. Um, and, you know, these guys are unnaturally immaculate in every way, shape and form. Physically, their uniform, like not a button is out of line, not a not a, a stray uh, thread is coming out of a seam somewhere. It, it's like they're painted. It's like they're created, like they're action figures. Every one of them is like a, a character in an action figure, right? So Sergeant Palm in his dress uniform, which was the short sleeve khaki shirt and green slacks, and he's got the fucking hat and all that, um, or the cover <laughs> as the guy's caught, you know, and yeah, and he hops up on the bar next to me and I'm, you know, you know, well into it and struggling and, you know, you're, you're being made to push far past where you could right easily and and so i'm flailing about and sweating and and he's just fucking 100 right and his head snaps to the side and he is also doing pull-ups right without (laughs) any indication from his breathing pattern or his body mechanics that it is in any way something that he could not do 300 fucking pull-ups in one shot and not even break a sweat, right? And many of these guys were in this type of condition. You know, it was, it was really impressive when you think about it, you know? And Oh, yeah. And, and Sergeant Palm tells me, he says, Booth, do you have anybody that you care about in the world? And I said, yes. Of course, he's screaming this at me, you know? And I said, yes, sir. And he says, I'm just going to go to the East Coast booth and I'm just going to start fucking... 
and I'm going to fuck my way all across this country until I fuck somebody that you care about. And I said, yes, sir. They said, get the fuck out of here. And then I left. And the next guy hopped up and he started harassing them with something else very different because I feel like other than the crazy ass long hours and, and uh, you know, I mean, I guess at one point level of physical fitness, I could have like gotten into whatever, you know, um, I could have taken it or left it. Right. But the weirdness I was meant, I was meant to script some of the weirdest shit that could possibly happen at boot camp. This is like my boot camp for you, for, for our consumers. It's, I am now Sergeant Palm and they, the, you are me and I am screaming my madness at you, but somehow it's, you know, understood universally that we're both vested in a better outcome for both of us. Yes. Right. And this shared yep. moment, a higher caliber of shared moment. Yeah. But he, I don't know if he did. I mean, I think he, you know, he's a, uh, an international gentleman of leisure. I think that he's savagely penetrated many, many people in his day and, and probably someone I knew or at least moderately cared about. I'm, uh, grateful <laughs> and uh i'm happy that that guy wanted to fuck his th way through the country to nation. find somebody that you cared about yeah yeah, yeah absolutely yeah, yeah. It's because he made you know made an impression yeah i'll never forget that comment it was an amazing conversation that i he just had like on me not even with me but on me yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. have you uh made contact with Sergeant Palm since then? You know, man, no. I ran into him one time in Okinawa a couple years into the fleet. I was close to getting out and I ran into him in the PX. It was a very awkward moment. You know, I didn't really know what the fuck to say. Yeah. So we just kind of said hi and then I fled the scene immediately. Probably having just purchased the first M&M yeah. compact disc. I think I bought that in Okinawa. That would do it. Mm -hmm. You left the Marines in 2020, uh, 2000. I did. On Valentine's Day. Look, man. You went sh straight to Hollywood. We're going to have to talk offline. Pursuit this of... Is a, a, a very... It's fine. I like it. My nipples are hard, but there's a lot of information. I, good. No, I, I'm glad you're excited. Um, I, you, I mean, you went straight to Hollywood. You pursued a career as a bass player. That's correct. Uh, and after bouncing around from band to band, you ended up as sound engineer at the famous Whiskey A Go-Go. I did Can lights mostly, but I was learning how to do sound, yeah. I did the stage The experiences that, that you had some with, with some bands when you worked at the Whiskey A Go-Go. Some bands. I mean, a lot of people came through. It was a, a, a nucleus of connectivity. It was a super cool time to be on the Sunset Strip. It wasn't, you know, yeah. it was the, the, you know, the smoldering embers of the 80s, right? So long gone. But we, some of the older heads there were still from that era. So it was always interesting to soak up these stories from them and, and uh, hear what it used to be like in, in their glory days, you know? And uh, I think the... The thing that comes to mind, I forget the band name, forgive me guys, but they were from Alaska. I want to say Anchorage. And these okay. guys fucking drove the van. They, they booked the gig at the whiskey and they drove their fucking van from a fucking Alaska, like American dream, right? <laughs> Stars in their eyes. 
energy yep. rattling through every you know molecule of their bodies going to play in Hollywood. And, and granted, if they did that, they were probably the sickest band in Alaska, or at least in Anchorage at the time, right? Like they definitely had their chops and they felt worthy enough to go play the whiskey. But just like many things in life and almost everything in Hollywood, it's all bullshit, right? So, you know, they had shown up and he introduced himself to me because I was working the, the, the stage monitors, which that desk was down on the floor by the, the can that would consistently overflow. And so it was this pungent vapor that was always around me of creativity and fecal matter and many other things. And, right. And he was so excited got to know him, got to meet him. And then I, on my way out the door, I went and I checked the schedule that was taped to the front door. And I realized that they had been booked on, I think it was like a Sunday night, super late or something like a sh they got a super shitty time slot. Right. And I remember he came back, I was working that night and he came back to the monitor desk and see what the whiskey had turned into was a lot of pay to play, just like a lot of venues in LA. So, you know, if you had at the time, 500 bucks to buy tickets for your band to go pedal, you could have 30 minutes on the stage. Right. And so like a lot of high schoolers, I mean, there were a lot of really gifted musicians that came through there. There's no doubt, but there was also people just fucking around, you know, playing, playing some songs that they had written. And, you know, I remember him coming up to the desk, now, he had been in Hollywood for a week, so his dreams were probably already shattered. It only takes a couple days, really. But, you know, and he was and he was trash, and he was obviously, like, devastation drinking, you know? And I remember this moment so vividly, because it was, it was like comedy that the universe brings to you, right? There's this band of, like, I mean, they were probably high schoolers, like young high schoolers, you know, just playing, like, fuck-around music. And the kid that's the lead is playing a keyboard and he's wearing a cape and like these crazy glasses. And it's just like, it's just complete fucking nonsense. And I remember this guy came up to me distraught and he's like, Hey man, what the fuck is that? And he points up at the fucking stage and I, I look up and I look at the kid with the cape and I look back at him and I'm like, I say, welcome to Hollywood, man. And that was it. <laughs> That's my whiskey moment. I mean, one of them. Mm -hmm. As a bass player, mm -hmm. what type of music did you play? And who who was your influence for that instrument? Oh, man. So I actually, you know, when I started getting better, I actually took lessons with Vale Johnson. Uh, vale Johnson um, played for the, the Dog Pound Band on the Ostinio show, played bass for Kenny G for years, uh, really gifted and talented bass player. And I mean, I had influence from, you know, anyone you could think of from Marcus Miller to Bootsy Collins to um, yeah. Larry Graham, 100%, you know, um, but I, yeah. I mostly played like progressive rock. I like to lead with melodic bass lines. A lot of the time when you get into like a, to band, like a, like a Les Claypool. I would never be so bold as to say, you know, Les Claypool because he's like the king, right? But like, you know, definitely, definitely things that were outside Melodic. Uh, yeah, they were they were far more melodic than than just uh, you know holding it down. Of course, I could do that too, yeah. right? So, and a lot of groups I got into, I got to experiment a little, but mostly just just hold it down with the drummer. You know, it was cool. It was a fun do you, time. Do you still play? 
I play with my son, so my son is learning drums. So I sit, oh. I sit with him, and I lay down bass lines, and he locks in with me and, and learns how to kind of organically play beats, you know? That's awesome. Yeah. By chance, did you ever come across Pete Johnson's old band? I did when not. When you were at the Go-Go? I did he not. played the strip a bunch. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know what, man? I might have. I don't know. We met each other later in another chapter of both of our lives. Uh, was you know? it Jerry? Jerry Duty? I think that was Jer- his band's name. Jerry Jer- oh, the, Jerry oh, Duty. Oh, it's Jerry Duty. Oh, no shit. Oh, I got to check it out. Yeah. Yep. Speaking of Pete, mm-hmm. I heard something about you wanting to get in the desire to get into Pete Johnson's pants. Was, was what? What's about? Jansen jeans, bro. He made pants. I wanted to get a pair of his pants and I wanted to get into them. I've never, I still have not graced my carcass with a pair of Hassel denim. I think it was Hassel, Hassel, Hassel denim. Hassel denim. I got I, I to do I some research on that. But I just knew out. that you, you had a, a thing about getting into Pete Johnson's pants, oh, yeah. and I wanted to exactly. figure that out. Mm-hmm. Sometimes the power of mystery is greater than the truth oh. itself. Absolutely. Um, okay. Switching gears <laughs> from the go-go. Portions of the proceeds uh, of the uh, Nabakubi. Naba, am I saying that right? No. Okay. <laughs> how do how do you say that? Oh, Namakubi. Nabakubi. Yeah. Also not, but it's okay. I Go to a about. a local Nevada and uh, Alzheimer's uh, charity called Keep Memory Alive. When we released the purple version. Two years ago, I donated a portion of the sales yeah. to keep memory alive. That's correct. Yeah. And I and I released it in purple tone uh, for Alzheimer's awareness. Can you see me? Okay, I feel like it's d- was dim. there. I see you. Okay, good. I see you. Was there a? personal connection that made you want to donate money to that organization? Yeah. You know, we've experienced some of that with my family and, uh, it's, okay. uh, it is a, an insidious affliction. And, you know, I thought, uh, Hey, let's yeah. do some, let's, let's try to try to erase this, you know, let's, let's do our part to, to donate and, uh, see if we can't come up with a cure, you know? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I understand you're a lifelong fan of Monty Python. Fucking love it, dude. That's how I first cut my teeth on the weird Monty Python. Can you please place the following five Monty Python skits in order from best to least? Are we doing are we doing movie Monty Python or show Monty Python? So it doesn't matter. Mixture. Okay. You have the, the Dead shot. Parrot. Dead Parrot's good. The Lumberjack song. 
Oh my God! The that's Ministry good. of Silly Walks. That's thirty-four. Yeah, 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 yeah. And the French Taunt from Holy Grail. Look, man, the French Taunt from Holy Grail is obviously quintessential Monty Python, and and I think one of the most universally recognized scenes from bits from Monty Python. You know. Um, I've always been a, a massive fan of all of it. And I think, you know, and I'll answer your question, but I'll also include additional flavor, right? And color, right? So give it, I've always been far more a fan of all of the little intricacies and the little short, weird moments that they would produce that I thought were the most delightful, you know, and, and the most nonsensical out of everything. Right. You know, I think that I think that there was a scene where uh, there were two gentlemen, they were filming and they were almost out of film and they only had, you know, it was like 30, 40 seconds of film left, something like that. And so I want to say John Cleese was a, a, a British police officer and he walks up on a gentleman in the street. I could have the characters mixed up, but uh, they they address each other. And they stare at each other for about five seconds. And then the guy says, you want to come home with me? And he says, yeah, right. And, and then they just walk off. Shit like that's fucking epic, man. It's amazing. You know? You didn't include the cheese shop, man. I mean, I it's a classic. Know. I went, I went and to if, the But there's so range. many. Like, how do you, how do you, pick, like, I picked up my top five. Dead growing up. Good, though. My my scout leader, when mm -hmm. I was in Boy Scouts, mm -hmm. he during like jamborees and stuff, we would do Monty Python skits. Go. So all of these are skits that like we did around a campfire as like Boy Scouts, like but like I grew up with. Mm -hmm. And so when I heard that you were a fan, I'm like, okay. Let me throw these five out there to see which one you bite on. The French taunt is hilarious. I of mean, course. all of them are fucking great. Um, dirty fork. I mean, come on. I, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go dead parrot, man. I'm dead gonna parrot. say that I, that's one of my favorites out of the ones that you. <laughs> I mean, other than the, you know, the French taunt, right? Because that's like yeah, in an elevated status, you know. Um, I was really fancied the one where it was the, the, you know, the women's league of such and such, and they were going to do a, a battle reenactment and, and, you know, they get out, they all get out in their Sunday dresses and they have their purses and their fancy hats and they're like a muddy rugby field. And then they just start kicking the holy shit out of each other. You know, the, it's, it's amazing. It's all amazing. I actually had the pleasure of seeing a reunion show of theirs. This was fuck man now at least 10 years ago maybe even more um when i found out they were getting back together for it I, I i booked tickets immediately and i flew over there and i peeped it out it that that had to be amazing like dude just to see them minds of guys you know with the napkin hats you know walking into <laughs> right and walking in to get their seats in the auditorium and it, it, it was pretty cool man <laughs> it was pretty cool yeah so I, I have family in Ottawa, Tennessee, which is right outside of Chattanooga. Oh, I do like Chattanooga. Which, which brings me to a question. 
Man, is that you where, explain? I wonder if that's where that gas station is that I saw those people. I'm, I'm going to, I'll Google map when we're off. I'll confirm that. Okay. Well, I was getting to the full story of what happened at a Waffle House in Chattanooga that year. Which time? Uh, I heard something happen at a Waffle House in Chattanooga. Is this when I was ejected, or is this when I made it rain? Sure. I love making it rain in fucking okay. Waffle House. <laughs> One of those two like would be great. Bottle service for everybody. <laughs> I'm just like fucking baking for everybody. Bottle service now. at Chet at at a Waffle House it makes me feel like I'm ordering bottle service at like. If I was like Puff Daddy at Tao, and I'm just like, get everybody Ciroc. Fuck it. <laughs> Except I don't roll like that. So I'm like, hey, just bacon for everybody in the Waffle House. But it's still... Bacon. It has a, it Everyone has a gets bacon. A, a bent appeal to it, you know? Fucking make He's like Oprah. Like, you get bacon. Mm -hmm. You get bacon. All right. I might have been eating uh, that night. <laughs> I don't recall clearly. There's so much... So the, the story fog, still remains a mystery. The fog of war was ever present during these times. <laughs> Room 101 jewelry is absolutely phenomenal. I, I, I love some of the beautiful pieces, and I, I'm about to pull some triggers on some pieces that I've seen. Uh, your website, folks, room101brand.com. That's mm -hmm. room 101brand.com. You cool. have a guy, Fedetti. Did I say that right? Fedetti? Uh, collection. No. Do you have any other celebrity collections in the works coming up? Uh, we have a couple things in the works, but, uh, you know, man, until they see the light of day, it's, uh, you know, it ain't over till it's over. Yeah. So we'll see what happens. We've been very if you're fortunate. not smoking... Hmm. If you're not smoking Room 101, besides Padron 64, yeah, yeah, yeah. What yeah. else are you grabbing out of the humidor? I mean, a lot of my smoking these days is all maintenance. It's either monitoring consistency, quality in our collections, or uh, how uh, sample blends are evolving. You know, um, and then I smoke Padron. I fucked with a little foundation recently. I, I have Padron very 64, much I feel like it's like your go-to, right? It is. It is. By the, and anyone is welcome to give one of those to me at any time when we meet, and I will accept it. I, I, it. I will definitely not send you one. Um, Rude. <laughs> it's just me. Sorry. Unbelievable. Do you have any any uh, upcoming releases, collaborations, or anything that our listeners can be excited for? Yes. Okay. Can you elaborate on that? Oh, would you like to know what they are? Yeah, 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 please. That'd be great. Oh, I Thanks. would love to. I would love to. So this oh, no, year, no, certainly. you're going to see the dawn of 14th anniversary. You might even see our beloved Moon Man come back to grace the surfaces of 
cylindrical dead plant Ooh. rods. Oh yeah. Okay. In the very near. Got a question. Though you asked. Just took the band off. Mm -hmm. No good deeds mm -hmm. on the back of this label. Damn it. No good deed goes unpunished, my man. What does that mean? Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. So no good deeds. Folks, on the back of a uh, 10th anniversary, is it is it on everyone? Or am I just like a winner? It's on the back of the 10th anniversary. I like to Easter egg <laughs> things. I thought I was a winner. You Fuck. win. Yeah. Ah. Shit. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, we're, we're coming up to time. I get it. You're, you're busy. Uh, will people be able to meet and greet you at any upcoming events? I know PCA is coming up. Will you be there? I will be there with bells on ready to meet and greet all sorts of folks. And then, with you know, bells on. with bells on and structured, uh, you know, structured stuff through the end of the year, uh, a few limited engagements, whatnot. I'll be out there. Not too much, but a little bit, you know, when it counts. Will you be in the Chicago area anytime soon? Man, unfortunately not scheduled. Doesn't mean I won't turn up, but uh, as of right now, nothing's scheduled. Fuck. Can you schedule that? I see make a it... flight in your future. Yeah, like make it happen, please. No, in your future. I see a flight All in right. your future. We'll go to the spaghetti fest. I see what I see what you're doing here. Mm -hmm. All right. Um <laughs> folks, uh I believe this time, this episode, down to a nub, my cigar, down to a nub, Boofy, Matt Booth, the man, the legend. Thanks for joining. I appreciate you taking the time. I know you're a busy man. Um, friends of the leaf. Don't forget to check out our official sponsor, Black Starline Cigars. BlackStarline.shop. Use promo code CigarSocial15 for 15% mm. off your entire order. And, and free shipping on all orders over 100 bucks. Next episode, we'll be joined by the great sorcerer of the planet, the Gindo, the Gindo Hot Sauce Champion of the World. Hmm. Well, we will be remote, both of us, down in Chattanooga, Tennessee, for a couple of weeks. So can't wait for you guys to, to join us. Check that out. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you next time at the Cigar Social Podcast. Take care, everybody.